You are listening to The Cactus Project with your host, Mel McDonald. So thank you for Bettina for volunteering to do this interview. I don't know if you really volunteered, but (laughs) you're welcome. (laughs) Um, So before um, I get you to tell your story, I would just like to tell everybody how I actually met you. Um, Because I don't know if you remember, but I remember it vividly. Mm -hmm. So I had, it must have been... 15, 17 years ago, something like that. And I'd been asked to go and talk at some state government women's business expo thing. I think it was at Logan or somewhere. And so I was doing a bit of a talk about, you know, business and how to be, I don't know what it was, how to be successful in business or something random. Yes, you had seven principles, seven or nine principles. Oh, oh, did I? Yes, yes, (laughs) of what you needed to be successful. Oh, right. You remember that better than I do. I won't test you and ask you what they actually were. Oh, no, I distinctly remember the one. (laughs) Which one? Tell me. (laughs) The one that said um, that you shouldn't do this journey alone, that you should have mentors. Right. So that explains what I racing to the front of the room with my hands on my hips saying you speakers you all are the same you all say we need mentors but none of you are willing to mentor anybody and actually that's what I was going to say how I remember you I remember doing the talk and then there was this question time and I'd noticed you in the audience because you had this kind of I always call it shiny eyes like you're paying attention you're really focused on what was happening and you sort of shot up to ask a question you just had this really like angry ant energy about you (laughs) I did (laughs) and you were like and it was pretty much what you said it was like you people you stand up here and you tell people what to do and they go and do it and then they do it and it doesn't work out and you don't even help them that's it (laughs) is that your memory yeah that's pretty much my memory (laughs) and so I remember Actually, I was telling someone about this the other day and they said, so did you say to her, what's your question? <laughs> <laughs> but I think what I said was something like, come and talk to me afterwards. And, and I remember you hung around for ages because there were people coming and asking questions. And you came and told me your story. Which... Yeah, you pulled me aside and just kind of put me in the corner and said, oh, my goodness, that's the, the, the lady that's going to be a problem. So let's stick her over there while I deal with all of the other nice people. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then... But I had a problem I needed to solve. And, and what was so I was determined to, to talk to you. Um, I had just lost a business. And I'd lost a business because I read a book by somebody that was a great mentor of many people. And I believed in what I was doing there. And um, and they, that book had taught me how to buy a business with no money down. Once I did, I rang them and said, okay, I've done all of the steps and I've bought the business. Now what? And they basically kind of just laughed and said, well, you know, nobody actually does what we, what we say. So we don't have book two. Um, and that left me not knowing what to do from there, which... Um, I had a huge growth in that first in in that business um, very quickly in the first twelve months, and so I what just sort of business was it? What were you doing? Um, I um, bought a, um, a a bathroom and tile business that sold you know bathroom wear and tiles and things like that for right. bathroom renovations. So if we rewind just a bit before that, because I'm really yeah. interested to hear. Okay, day I met you, you just lost a business and a marriage, I think, and a home and pretty much the worst. You were not in a happy place. Yes. But you had been quite successful prior to that. So before you bought the business, um, what had you done? What was your main skill set? 
I'd had quite a lot of businesses before that, but always in uh, sales and marketing areas. Um, like and service kind of businesses where you were providing the sales service. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was skilled at selling myself. And so I would get myself into companies that needed my expertise and then I'd create my own little thing out of it. Right. And then, um, yeah, work on it from there. And yeah. I remember you told me a story about when you were in your 20s, probably early 20s or so, and you were like roaming around in the outback like running a sales team where you were selling like coupons or something to small businesses or yeah, something really we did hard. Yeah, we did million dollar promotions to businesses all around the country and um, and it was really hard cold selling. So yeah. you'd knock on the door between 8 and 10 and make your appointments and then you'd come back and you'd do a, a 10, a 12, a 2 and a 4. Um, and you had to get results there on the spot and you had to walk out with a 10 grand check or a 20 grand check, you know, it was, wow. yeah, it was, and from back in those days, that was a lot. So, um, so you'd have to be, so you would have developed some pretty good sales skills and yeah. you would assume that out of that, you would have picked up some pretty good business skills. Well, they're very different things as I discovered. <laughs> <laughs> so you went to a seminar or you read a book or whatever, and yeah. this guy said you can buy a business with no money down. Yeah. So you did. You bought the bath and tile business. Yeah. Um, and did it ever go right or did it go wrong from day one? What happened? Um, no, no, no. It, it was it was very successful. Like we took it from 120 grand turnover to a million dollars in 12 months. Um, so the the speed was there because I could sell, obviously. So the speed was there. But understanding inventory and understanding um, the whole financials and not being ripped off in along the process with, you know, people who come into um, – I didn't have partners in the business, but people who came into my business as advisors – um, and not knowing where money was going and I didn't know where to look. So you were good at bringing money in. Yes. But keeping it in there was a different story. And yeah, well, I didn't even understand what yeah. was going on, let alone, you know, how to keep it there and how to run not just turnover. I didn't understand how to run profitably. So if you, so that's what you know now. Looking yeah. back now, you say you didn't understand the rest of the business. You just knew how to sell. Yeah. At the time, when I met you and you were, standing there in that audience fuming because you weren't nobody had helped you and everything had fought, gone to cactus. Yes. Um what did you think was the reason then? What were you th what did you think had gone wrong? I thought at the time I knew that there was something wrong with the cash flow. And so I bought in an external auditor uh, to have a look at the numbers and try and find out what was going on. And they couldn't find anything. So um, what was going, so you, you brought them in because you felt like you were short of cash? Or yes. Yes. And, and I mean, anyone who understands business now knows that what's in the bank is not yeah. <laughs> your cash. Um, and so I, I really didn't understand that. And I didn't understand how um, my employees were running what was going on either. And so I couldn't quite tell where the dodgy bits were happening and where the genuine, I didn't understand the business bits were happening. And where were you spending most of your time in the business? Were you managing your team? Were you managing your stock? Were you doing the sales yourself? I was expanding the business. So we expanded out of that into a full renovation company, had a, um, a um builders and um, tilers and we started to expand into kitchens like we were doing a lot of stuff so it was just always expansion and plans because I knew how to I knew you how to build mm. yeah yeah fast growth was my thing mm. and so when it went under because when I met you it had gone like completely yeah. under right or yeah. close to yeah um 
Was that a surprise to you? Like, was it something that you were expecting? Was it a sudden collapse? Um, no, it, it wasn't any of those things, actually. It was that after that auditor had left um, and couldn't find anything, um, they suggested that I go and speak to some lawyers. And so I went and spoke to some lawyers and I said, look, this is what the auditor has told me. Um, they can't find where these missing links are that I think are there. Um, but the, these are my numbers and they suggested I speak to a lawyer. I wasn't sure why. Um, and um, they looked at it and they said, well, they've sent you to us because you're trading insolvent. So we need right. to close like, you down. Like pretty much all small businesses in Australia <laughs> half the time, but anyway. Yeah. So they're saying you're trading insolvent. Yeah, like Facebook own, and... Yeah, like Facebook's been for the last 10 years. Afterpay and yeah. <laughs> all of them. So the definition of trading insolvent was you've got more money going out than coming in and you can't pay your bills when they're due. Yes, like yes. And they said that if that's the case, then um, you've got two choices. You can either trade out... Um, but if you don't, we have on record now that you're insolvent as of today because you came and saw us. And we've advised you and it's in writing now. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> um, and if you don't trade out, then you, and he literally said this to me, you go to jail. So it was yeah, fear so, at so that point. 20, yeah, it's like three years imprisonment or whatever the sentence was. So he told 20-something Bettina that if you tried to return your business around that you'd go to jail yeah, if you failed. Yeah, wow. so it was pretty scary. Um, and so it was not a, it was not a slow demise or anything. It was just some advice that I had gone and got that made me freak out and go, oh my goodness, I have to close. And so you did. Yeah. And so I closed the door and then I had a lot of debt to pay. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, so I'll ask you a bit later about knowing what you know now, if you've done anything differently, but just hold that thought. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I meet you. So you've got, yeah, no job, no business. No husband, we won't talk about that, but he, yeah. he went with the business by the sounds of it. Yes. Um, and you just, were you moving down, you'd moved to Brisbane or you were moving here or something? Yeah, I met, I was on the soundtrack as I moved to Brisbane and um, and it was the very first weekend I was here that I went to that seminar and you were there. And in that time, over those couple of weeks that I'd spent moving, I had emailed every single author, every mentor, anyone who was doing uh, it wasn't really blogs back then, but anyone who was kind of providing um, email services of right. advice, uh, I emailed everybody. And so all the kind of high-profile business speakers and authors and things. Yeah, like yeah, and just ask them, well, what, what, what can I do about this? And what did they say? I got no responses, not one. Nothing? No. That's interesting. You've obviously still Hence got why I was mad. <laughs> I was going to say, you've obviously still got feelings about that by the look on your face. <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, so you're mad. So we talked. Let me tell a little bit of the story then. Mm -hmm. So Bettina and I met, we talked. I could see in her that although she wasn't in a happy place, you know how you meet people and you go, um, you're not in a happy place, but you've got a heap of potential. You just need to get out of this hole. And then, and you probably do that now. And then you meet other people and you go, you're in a hole and you're probably going to stay living there. Yes. <laughs> and so when I met you, I was like, yeah, she's in a hole, but I could see that she just needs some wins to get out of this hole. Um, and so you came and worked for me, I seem to remember. And Spatina yes. became my star salesperson. And, and you worked for me about two or three times and we fired each other a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to tell that from your perspective, like what happened then? So you've got a job basically, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, you um, we had met up um, uh, many times for – coffees and you had kind of stepped me through some different ideas and some advice that I was looking for. And so you were kind enough to do that. And in the process of that, 
um, at Christmas time, you had said, look, all of the staff, you know, in the office leave for Christmas. I don't have anyone manning the emails. Do you want to come in? And sneaky you, you knew exactly what I would do. <laughs> you couldn't I yourself. looked at the emails and went, oh, my goodness, all of this needs to be organised and it needs to be done like this and we could do this to grow it and we could do that. And so by the time you got back off your holiday, um, you went, um, do you want to stay? <laughs> Uh, and so I took that opportunity to um, to uh, go into recovery mode, um, and um, and um, yeah, work on some projects within your business. Yeah. And do you think, in hindsight, forget about my business, just generally, that when you've been through, because it was a pretty traumatic time, like we're understating it a bit, but it was a very traumatic time for you. Yeah. Do you think when you've been through such a difficult? By the way, if anyone can hear strange whimpering noises, it's not Bettina crying; it's her new puppy. Yeah. <laughs> we might have to put a po- photo of it as a link yes. or something. I'm sorry. Um, so Lord Wilson is contributing to this discussion. <laughs> um, so do you think that? Um, in hindsight, that getting a job um, is was the right thing for you to do when you were quite broken after your business experience? Or could you have gone straight back into business at that point? I don't think either were good, to be honest. Yeah. I think that I found it, I, I think I found it just as stressful being in a job. Um, and I did have a real breakdown over that time and so recovery I actually just needed time off completely yeah which um, is hard when you got no money yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. so ideally if you could hence, make- hence husband number two <laughs> <laughs> so go find a new husband <laughs> no don't take this advice <laughs> no 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 because when you end up supporting them financially after that it doesn't like- work anyway <laughs> yeah um Okay, so you had, so it was a few years. And so talk about how you came back because Mm. where you are now, and we'll come to that, is you're running a tech startup, you've raised money from investors, you've got Mm. massive forecast future growth, like Mm. living in a beautiful home Mm. with a cute puppy. Um, (laughs) So you've obviously recovered. (laughs) So what was the beginning of the turnaround for you? Um, The beginning of the turnaround would have been... um, would have been hooking into mentors that could give me the continuous um, education right. that I needed because I just needed I needed the the steps of what I didn't know. Like I already knew what I did know. I knew I could sell, um, but that wasn't the solution. It doesn't matter how much you sell; you can always spend more. And so that wasn't the solution. It had to be something around building assets, and it had to be something around having um, more predictability. Uh, so, um, I, um, I just kept hanging around you and other mentors and really just focusing on hooking into the things that I didn't know yet. And that's when I used the same skills with the perspective that you gave me to then go and buy a house with no money. So let me tell that story from my side. Which, um, and it involves another puppy. Yes, more puppies. <laughs> uh, real puppies too. Um, and more husbands. <laughs> no, same one. Oh, same one, that's true. Um, so, and one of the things I think that has been, from my perspective, one of the things that help you turn that around is that you are so coachable. Like you will go and ask for advice. You will go, is this someone I should be getting advice from? Have they successfully done this thing? And then you'll do what they tell you to do. Yeah. Which lots of people don't do. Yeah. So my version of that story is you and that husband at the time went away moved to Sydney sold up everything moved down there 
And then a few weeks later, or you might have been car- or you decided to caravan around Australia or something. Yeah, yeah. well, well, we decided to um, to give him a go at getting his career back on track. And so he went down to Sydney and worked for three months. And then I said, well, I'll come down. I, I had a consulting gig and it was quite well paid. And I said, I'll only come down if things are secure. So I went down and then a month later he lost his job. Right. And you had a dog and a two-year-old at that I point. Did. I did. Um, so then you guys decided to say, let me tell this part. You guys decided to go caravanning around Australia. Yes. I remember you lasted about a week. Yes. And it rained that whole week. Yes. And you had a toddler and a dog and a husband. Yes. And you rang me from Coffs Harbour or somewhere mm-hmm. and said, I'm coming home. We are coming home. I think you actually said. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, great, where's that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, what, Ascot don't have caravans? Like, <laughs> I think you said, can we put the caravan in your driveway at Ascot? And I'm like, no, yeah. not in this neighborhood. Yes, that's right. Um, so I'm yeah. like, okay, I'll ditch the caravan, but I need somewhere to stay. <laughs> so you guys all came and stayed with me. Mm-hmm. I remember, um, and I'm not used to living with toddlers, but he was a lovely toddler, but he was still a toddler. <laughs> and then I remember waking up one morning and feeling like someone was spooning me mm. and going, oh, it's kind of nice. And then going, they've got a really hairy face. And then thinking, but there's not meant to be anybody in my bed. Mm, and the bearded man. Rolling over and there was a hairy dog. <laughs> it's bed. my beautiful miniature schnauzer <laughs> with a beautiful beard. <laughs> And so I went off to New Zealand. It would crawl in your bed, followed by my um, my um, noisy four-year-old. Four, I four, yes, yeah. yeah. So yeah. there was like I had a bed full of creatures. Yes. Anyway, so you then um, took your skills that you'd used for buying a business with no money down, and we talked about how to buy a property, like a set up a rent to buy kind of situation because yeah. you needed your own home, you guys, and you didn't have any money for a deposit. So talk about how you did that and how you came up with your deposit yeah. and how you've done, like just briefly, yeah. because at this stage you're broke, you're both unemployed yeah, yes. What are we going to do now? Yeah, yeah. And and it was in the year where Brisbane had its big floods. So um, it was towards the end of the year. Nobody was hiring. Um, and, um, and then we had another flood or another disaster like um, in January yeah, and then it all a, happened again. It was, yeah, yeah it was we had a, a, a biggish flood and then we had them like the massive one in January. Yeah, yeah. So we, it was all around that time. So the um, the problem there was that, um, well, you gave me the crash course, the two-minute crash course in How to Buy a House. Open up two laptops. Open up two laptops, look at what's for rent, what's for sale, and find Match one that's both. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then, and then step through the negotiating process on that and, and really – um, it, it, it really it is predictable. Like if you actually take all of those elements and break them down, you could do that, you know, a hundred times. <laughs> so, um, uh, so I did that and you flew to New Zealand and you said, when I get back in a week, um, I need you to. I'd really have, like to have my house back. <laughs> yeah, I need you to have found something. Well, I'd not only found something, I'd found it and um, and pulled it off and then moved into it before you even got back. Yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so seven um, days later we'd bought a house with no money. 
And so you basically had bought it on like a twelve month settlement. Yeah, thirteen to be thirteen months. Correct. So you rented it, you renovated it. Not that I went in with that deal initially, of course. Yeah, yeah. And staged that. um, Yeah, um, but yeah, eventually it was yeah thirteen month deal. It's not like you just walked up to someone and said, "Can I buy your house for thirteen? Can I move into your house for free and live there until I pay you in the future sometime?" Right, you (laughs) negotiated and you got to that point. That's right. Um, However, at that point, you didn't have the money for the deposit in thirteen months' time, did you? No, we didn't even have any jobs. So what? do um we sold the caravan um that um gained us i think it was 25 grand and then we had to come up with the rest uh and because of my um of my business history i needed to come up with a full 20 percent so your credit rating had been smashed by the business yeah yeah so i had to come up with 100 i think it was one hundred and twenty thousand dollars in 12 months um, and so, and it was amazing. It, it, it's totally a mental thing. Um, I couldn't get a job. Um, I had to dumb down my CV just to be able to get a sales gig. Um, and I didn't get a sales gig until I think it was February or March. And, um, then when I did and they said, oh yeah, yeah, we'd love to have you as a salesperson. And then I asked them, well, what other structures do you have here? You know, who's your management, blah, blah, blah. And they said, oh, we're just employing a manager at the moment. And, and I asked about all of that and I said, great, well, I want that job. And he's like, you can't have that job like you just decided. And I said, oh, let me just give you my real CV then. <laughs> <laughs> and then I pulled out my sales management job um, CV and, um, and he was like, oh, oh, well, now I'm torn. I've already offered it to this other guy. And I said, well, can you split the team? Like two managers, let's see who works out best, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we did. So you're not afraid of a bit of competition or anything in that situation? No, and I'm not competitive. I I believe that there was two different um, versions of the business to sell with. There was... Um, there was some fast moving, um, higher pressure sales, and there was some slow corporate sales. Which one did you want to do? Um, I knew that I was good at the fast moving stuff. And I knew that I could handle a big team of those people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he took the slower stuff and I took the fast moving stuff. Um, and yeah, we sold millions and he sold nearly nothing. <laughs> and so, um, but uh, at the end of the day, uh, even though my salespeople were all making, you know, post 100 grand um, in very short space of time, uh, they um, they were under, you know, pressure and they said, no, we prefer to, you know, work for the cushy easy boss. So they came to me and said, sorry, you know, we need to let you go. And I remember crying in that meeting. And, and there were two things, I guess, for you then. One is that you needed the job because you needed you had to get a mortgage. Yes. But also it's when you're very goal and task focused, You, I mean, I know you, you do drive people quite hard, mm. um, but it's still quite upsetting to be told we don't want you to drive them that hard because it's making people upset. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So yeah. what was it that made you, why were you crying? Um, I was crying because you had to have in, at that time in the, uh, for a bank loan, you had to have six months, um, employment. And I was at five months and two weeks. Oh, no. So I was short by a couple of weeks. And, um, and even though I hadn't saved all of the money either, I was still $15,000 short. Um, but I'd save the rest. And um, I was crying because I needed to hold my job for another two weeks 
And he was very apologetic. He's like, you know, you've been fantastic to us, but, um, you know, we're really sorry. We don't mean to make this. And I said, no, no, you don't understand. It's got nothing to do with the job. <laughs> I need to I need to settle a house. So um, I explained that to him and he said, well, that's okay. You have two weeks holiday. So how about we just to add that on and you get the loan and then, you know, you can finish then. And I'm like, perfect. So I went back to the mortgage broker and I said, okay, I'm ready to settle a loan. And she's like, okay, you've got all the money in the bank. And I'm like, yep. And she said, okay, I need confirmation of that. And I said, yeah, I'll have it on the day that we settle. Just trust me, I'll have it. I had no idea how I was going to come up with another 15000 because I had sold everything. I had, you know, we, we got a lot of government grants that year, like government, you know, $1,000 for the TV thing and all that. So I saved all of that. And I literally, my, my, um, my, uh, my food allowance, I was allowed one packet of Tim Tams a month. I remember having a conversation with you where you were, you hadn't had your nails done for months. <laughs> and anyone who knows Bettina knows that that's really not a normal thing for Bettina. <laughs> and you were like, when can I go back and get my nails done? It's interesting. I was just telling somebody today, I haven't had my nails done in 20 years. So I don't think I've had my nails done since, since then. <laughs> I think I found value in other things. Um, but, yeah, I, um, I, you know, I just really had to, we had to save every single, and I remember I put a, I put a thing on the wall, a, a chart on the wall with every $1,000 and we and we got to um, fill it in with a pink highlighter every time we put away $1,000. And, and, and we saw it go really quickly. Like it's amazing what you can hook into when you need to and you realise that old bike in the shed that's worth 50 bucks, you know, and that, that counts for a piece of that pink you know yeah. you know it, it was like yeah. those thermometers that people use when they're doing charity fundraising and they fill yeah it it's exactly up. the same as that right. yeah. yeah so anyway you're still fifteen thousand short despite the nails and the yes the yes and so i'd exhausted all options and i had and i had no way of getting a credit card i had no way of you know just so your credit rating still not yeah great. yeah so i didn't have i had no no loans since then so um i didn't have any way of um of getting back in um to to get the extra 15 and now I was out of a job. Right. So um, uh, anyway, I um, I just believed that somehow <laughs> on that day, uh, so the day before settlement was due, um, I got a letter in the mail which was the reference from my um, old employers mm-hmm. um, who coincidentally um, closed the whole branch down a few months later wow. and contacted me and said they'd made the wrong choice. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Not that you're feeling kind of no, pleased about no. that. <laughs> um, but, no, what I was chuffed with is that they gave me a redundancy payout of exactly $15,000. Really? Mm. Just in time. Just in time. That yes. is awesome. Yes. So we pulled that one off and I um, I did a, um, a basic renovation on that house and um, sold it and that got me onto some momentum of doing it again and again. Yeah. So you built up, so let's skip forward to more recently. So mm-hmm. you did, you built up a bit of capital from some property investment kind of deals. Yeah. But then you ended up going into a business. Mm-hmm. So tell me about, so you obviously didn't learn from the previous experience, so I just do it again. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, this time um, I'd learned a lot, um, a lot more, and I felt like I really understood. Um, I actually, I actually had um, 
uh, along the way had gone in and done some business coaching and was analysing businesses and we did a lot of analysing of businesses and all of a sudden I realised I had a brain for understanding the systems and processes much better than I did selling. I was good at selling, but it was only good because I had a system. So once I started analyzing businesses, I was like, oh my goodness, I I just get this. I can look at it and I can see it and I can get it. So I bought another business and um, and did a deal to be able to get into a business. And I'm like, this is so much easier than creating something. I just have to improve it. So tell us about that business. Yeah, so I wanted to learn how to import and export because I'd never done that um, before. Uh, and, um, and I kind of learned that there was a lot of margin on the tiles that were coming in from China. So this I is when like, you had your bathroom business. Yeah. You'd seen the margin on the tiles then. Yes, yeah. yeah. And that was through a third party. So I'm like, what if I could be the, you know, the third the, party? The, yeah, the first mm. provider. So um, so I looked around for businesses and um, I'll never forget, I was actually um, I was actually in hospital at the time and I'd made myself a commitment that I would buy something by the end of the financial year. And um, if I didn't, the agreement with my husband was that I would go back to job, a job. Right. So you're quite motivated. It was my worst nightmare. Like I would, the, the, I would do anything to not have to go back to work. So um, you know, I had a young son at school who had just started school, and so I wanted to be home and available for him. Um, and so I decided that that I needed to buy a business, but there was nothing for sale. And I remember scrolling over this ad, and there was a a, a girl on the cover page that was there was kind of like in lingerie crawling across a bed. <laughs> no, <laughs> I was nice. like, oh, this is some dodgy, you know, <laughs> sex shop or something. Anyway, um, there was nothing else though available, and I was bored, and so I kind of scrolled through and went okay well let's contact them and just find out what the go is so did it just say what kind of business it was no no it just um just it had a dodgy just, girl in lingerie yeah <laughs> yeah yeah and said online business right. basically sounds very dodgy um but when i found out the background to the story it was through um this um the, a male broker who the women who owned the business said you know, we, we don't want people to, we've got a prominent brand and we don't want people to know that we're selling. So, you know, don't list it as, you know, swimwear. And so he decided to put a prowling girl in one tray. <laughs> it just looked dodgy. So anyway, they hadn't had many inquiries. Uh, and so I spoke to them and they had this beautiful, amazing brand that um, that they got to a certain point that they couldn't grow any further um, without injecting a lot of capital. So some people might know the brand. Actually, do you want to say? Yeah, yeah. So I bought Siren Swimwear. Right, um, which is beautiful kind of retro-y. Yeah, vintage, like 1950s, 60s, um, Hollywood glamour style right, um, swimsuits. Yeah, made yeah. for all of the ladies who don't wear string bikinis anymore. Right. <laughs> so not the ones who go crawling across in their underwear. No, um, definitely not. So you bought it. Did you pay cash for it? How did you buy it? No, I actually got a bank loan, um, but I got a, a, a clever bank loan <laughs> um, where I worked out a negotiation with the owners, um, and so I was buying um, the business and, and stock rolled in and the, and the bank would finance me. For, and the bank was happy. Like they knew what they were financing and they were happy to finance the, Yeah, and they financed for um, for the stock. And uh, I'm trying to think. 
um, whether I probably had some security on a property that I had at the time. Right. Um, and so it was a good deal. Um, right. Yeah, it was safe for the bank and um, and it was a good deal for me. So. And it was an online, solely online business or did they sell swimwear in boutiques? Or? Um, no, they mainly did markets. And so I had a lot of work to do because they were from Sydney and I wasn't. Right. Um, and I wasn't going to go to the Sunday markets. So um, I needed to work out how to make it grow. But I knew how to sell and so I figured, well, I can just tour the country and go wholesaling. Um, so I did. Um, not a smart idea. <laughs> yeah. So why not? Because it's 100% online, the business now. Isn't yes. Absolutely. So how did it go from being markets, then wholesalers? And then what, what, what was good Yeah. Well, I ended, up, I ended up building our five channels. So I opened a shop and I, um, and I did other big markets around the country and I did um, a wholesaling and I did, um, I did the retailing and I did um, online and I did through other um, other marketplaces, uh, like other online platforms as well. Um, and um, over a couple of years, I was juggling everything and um, that was at a point where um, I have a high needs disabled son and, um, and my marriage was rocky and I needed to kind of, consolidate and go, oh, something's got to give here. I can't be in 10 places at once. I had about 20 staff. And so I so decided. 20 staff, did you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So I decided to, the leases were up and they wanted me to do some more, you know, longer term lease. And I was like, oh gosh, I just don't think I can do this. And so we hadn't had any online growth for the previous two years, but I decided that online was the only thing that would suit my lifestyle. So at this point, what was don't give me exact numbers, but what was your turnover compared to what it was when you took it over? Had you grown the business by adding all these extra channels and things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we'd tripled the business like over, oh, at that time. Um, we probably doubled the business at that time. Okay. And then. Um, so you doubled the business, but you probably quadrupled the work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And and the staffing and everything. And it, it, and once again, I still didn't understand profit. I just understand growth and turnover. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very different when you understand um, how to automate and how to bring profit out. So what I did is I, I closed every channel, uh, which halved my turnover overnight. Was that hard to do yeah, It was really scary. Because it's the opposite of who you are. You're exactly. Growth person. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So to go backwards like that was just freaky. Um, and um, and I was going into an area online which hadn't had any growth in the last two years. And so I was like, I don't even know how, how, how to grow that side. Oh, your online business hadn't grown. Yeah. So you yeah. had a little online business ticking over. Yeah. And you basically wound it back to just focus on the online business. Yeah. But then you had to figure out how to turn that into something. Yeah, because you couldn't sell in there. Like you couldn't go out and knock on somebody's door or you couldn't push the sale. Because all your sales skills were face-to-face -face selling. Like yeah. You persuade people and, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I had no idea how to um, how to make that happen. So why did you do it then if you had no idea? Because the, the percentages made sense. The data made sense. And I'm like, I, I trusted myself to, um, to keep working on what the data said. As in the data said your margin would be better if you could make the online business work oh absolutely like right. a thousand percent yeah right yeah so you halved your revenue but what happened to your profit tripled my profit in the first year with half the revenue yeah wow yeah 
Okay. And so how did you figure out how to make the online thing work? What were the keys to that, do you think? Um, I, um, well, the short story is I became the Facebook queen, which is why <laughs> everybody knows my brand, um, because we'd spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on Facebook. Um, but there was a process for me to get to learn that. Um, and, um, and it started with me hiring agencies and then hiring um, uh, specific um, specialists and all of them failing. I was going to say, were they successful? No, no. no. So you outsourced the marketing Facebook stuff? Yeah. It didn't work? No. No, so then I found trainers of that and then I employed them to do it and it still didn't work. And so I got the trainer to teach me everything they knew and then I figured out what I could do with it from there. So you could take the technical skills they taught you and apply what you knew about your customer. And Yes, and that was the secret is that nobody understood my customer as well as I did. Like I knew like right to a T that my customers drink wine, eat cheese and live on a hill in a main city. And they want to be able to drink wine, eat cheese and still wear a bikini. Uh, so, well, not wear a bikini, but definitely wear a beautiful one piece. Right. Yes. So they don't, they don't, they're not string bikini people. Yeah, no, 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 no. What's interesting though is out of all this, you understanding your customer really well and understanding their needs because you were selling swimwear, is that that then became the germ, the seed that developed the tech company that you're running now. Yes, yeah. So how, tell us how that came about. Um, well, I remember looking at, you know, once I'd figured out how to read the data, I remember looking at um, our Facebook and our um, our raving fans. We had a lot of them and they would always comment on our um, you know, the latest swimsuit and what was coming out, but they weren't buying. They weren't actual customers. And I'm like, why? Why aren't they buying? And so I did a survey and I, I had done lots of surveys. Um, that's basically how I ran the business was, was by asking questions. And I ran this survey um, to capture their, um, their email and their phone number. And I actually called 100 customers and said, or 100 fans and said, I know you love my brand. Can I ask why haven't you bought anything? So you had lots of fans, but they weren't, but these are the ones who weren't. So you, you didn't ask your customers, you asked your non customers. Yes your fans who weren't customers. Yes. And what did they say? They said, oh, well, you can't buy swimsuits online. Right. <laughs> like literally like with a question mark, like, like you weirdo white. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and, and they would often ask, you know, well, where, where is where is the shop that I can buy them from? And, and I said, well, how about I ship the shop to you, which is originally what we called it, um, and, um, and I'll send you out a, a pack. You, know, you choose five swimsuits and I'll send them out to you and you can tell me what you think. That sounds really risky. So you're offering to send yeah. people five swimsuits. Yeah. So they had to pay for five and then you. No. No. So no. how much were they paying? Um, I think in that original trial, I said that I would just send them out and see what they thought. Wow. So that's a big risk. Yeah. Yeah. But you knew your customer and you knew they'd likely not steal them because people go, people will steal my stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's the number one thing that people ask me is, don't they, don't they like, what happens if they don't return them? And did they, like, most of them return them? Well, of that 100 in that batch, 99 of them bought. Really? So not only returned what they didn't want, but they all bought. So we basically then had a, had a tagline on our site which said something to the effect of, um, you know, 99% of people who try our swimwear buy. 
Wow. Yeah, find the perfect swimsuit. Yeah. And so by letting them try it at home mm. and sending them, like shipping the shop, as you called it. In yeah, ship the shop. Yeah. By shipping the shop, people bought because I guess that's swimwear, isn't it? You want to try a few on and decide what you like. Yeah. And one of the other things you've told me about your customers is, well, and as a human female, I don't want to go into a shop and try on swimsuits. It's not a nice experience. Yeah. Well, actually, before I had done that survey, I had done a different survey which asked them about what swimsuit shopping was like to the customers. And our customers had said to us in the survey that they would prefer to go to the dentist than try on a swimsuit in a shopping <laughs> I center. believe that. I've been saying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we already knew that they hated swimsuit shopping. Uh, in particularly in um, shopping centres, um, and that um, and that they wanted a service where they could try them on at home. So we just combined the two the two surveys: the survey from what the customers were saying, and the survey from what the non-buying potential customers were saying. So what happened to your data, to your turnover, to your business when you figured out that you could ship them a few swimsuits and they could try them on? What was the result? Um, well, it was um, it was huge. <laughs> <laughs> so we had a massive increase in our average order value. Massive and, being like 10%? Um, initially, I don't have the percentages of initially, but I can tell you what happened when we actually created it into tech because I have those stats. Right. So so we we turned it into um, into some technology that could, could run that offering and we monitored that for 18 months to get exact data. So, so instead of you manually doing it, you, you basically set up like Yeah, app. instead of having to call the customer <laughs> and say, which five swimsuits would you like and blah, 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 we actually set it up on the website right. so that it could happen automatically and they could pick their own swimsuits and they could pay a deposit and that could go towards whatever they kept or they could get a refund if they wanted their money back. Right, and so what happened to your numbers when you did that? Yeah, so when we did that, well, the first month when we um, when we turned it on, we did it in the middle of winter because we didn't want to upset like summer trade and what if things but go you wrong. You didn't really sell anything in the middle of winter anyway, did you? No, no, no. So no, you no. couldn't really damage anything. No, so a normal like 10 weeks over the dead of winter, we would sell like $50,000 and that would be it for that right. dead 10-week period. Um, and so when we turned it on in the 10 weeks the following year, um, we did 250000 in instead, same, of, instead of 50. Yeah, in the same 10 weeks. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So we knew we were onto something. Um, but so from there it just all went great and you made a fortune and lived happily ever after then? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that would be too easy, right? Well, I did. I did actually. Um, it all went great. I automated everything and and I used the app to automate the back end as well. So we went from having six girls processing the returns in the back end. Because returns would be a hassle. Yeah, that? yeah, they were until I automated all of that and I automated the exchange service and automated everything. And so now the whole business runs on like four hours a week from me. Right, so you haven't got 20 staff No, anymore. none. <laughs> none. none. Zero. Yeah, zero. So you automated it all and the technology that you created for yourself was working really well. Yeah. And then this pandemic thing happened. Yeah, right, so, in, right in the middle of me traveling the world. So, so I had decided that if this works so well, I need to prove it. I need to prove that I could work anywhere in the world. And so I set myself a task of traveling to a different country every month for 12 months right. and um, and flying backwards and forwards and taking my son on some of those trips and stuff like that. It was very cool. 
However, in that time, I had a few accidents. I had a skiing accident in New Zealand and I had an, an appendix emergency um, appendectomy and um, both of them put me out for eight weeks and they, in those both those eight-week times, in floating around a pool in Bali, I remember thinking, how much impact am I having to other people by me just... Um, you know, having an automated business that, you know, just ticks and runs itself. And, right. So and it was financially, it was great, but you were starting to feel. Time freedom was massive. And financially, I, I was set. I could do what I wanted to do. And I guess what happens when you get to that point, if you think of like all the whole Maslow's hierarchy of needs stuff, you know, you get to the point when you're financially comfortable, you've got free time, that gives you time to think about how can you impact on other people. Yeah. So this is before the pandemic. Yeah. So... Did the pandemic have any impact on the swimwear business? <laughs> <laughs> well, considering that um, most of my buyers were people from um, the you know, northern beaches of Sydney and you know the suburbs of the fine suburbs of Melbourne, um, who would travel regularly overseas and would always take a beautiful swimsuit with them, um, and there was total lockdown. Yeah, um, they didn't need a swimsuit for that season. <laughs> so when the swimwear business started to turn down, mm. had you already started with your other idea that we're going to talk about in a moment? Yes, yes. So what was the sequence of that? Tell us. Yeah, that. so so we'd been testing um, the app over um, the, the previous app being year. The try it on at home. Yeah, the try at home. It wasn't. Yeah, originally called Ship the Shop. We then changed it to Try at Home. And that had been running for a year and we'd been testing it both in Australia and the US and we had had um, um, our, our results were 66% increase in average order value and we'd had that as high as 88%. Wow. Um, we'd had a reduction in our refunds from 30% down to 1%. We could basically rescue all sales. And we and that's because if they can try more on the fed, like the one they ordered, they've got options. Yeah, yeah, and we could get them options really quickly. Right. Um, but the other thing that this was the biggest one that surprised me is that once again through a survey, we we asked them um, thousands of customers, and um, we had all these responses back, and fifty two percent of our customers said that they would not have even tried my brand if I didn't offer try at home. Wow. wow. So that's where we knew how much it would affect our conversion rate. So on the one hand, you're seeing this technology that you've developed is having a massive impact on your own business. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, you're floating around in a pool in Bali with a cocktail in your hand going, <laughs> perhaps I should contribute something. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> and how did that come together? What happened? Um, so um, then the pandemic hit and, um, and, you know, instantly people stopped buying swimsuits and stopped traveling because they couldn't. Um, and so um, so that um, halved my turnover uh, last year. Um, but but that wasn't as scary this I was time. Was that a catastrophe though? No, not at all. I had a holiday. <laughs> <laughs> because if you'd been in I, the bathroom I, business and this had happened, yeah. you would have shut it down yeah. Presumably. Yeah. yeah. But so you still were making so you still were making a profit, just not as much profit? Well, yeah, interestingly, yeah, I just checked um last month we made a better profit than we had in the last two years. <laughs> <laughs> So once again, it was just because of that pure automation and just really 
um, reducing things that you think are really important in a business and they have absolutely no impact on your bottom line. So, you, so. so your business has got no staff, your your warehouse and shipping is outsourced, yeah. your, all your sales and marketing and communication processes are all automated. Yeah. So it really doesn't matter whether it shrinks or grows. You don't yeah. have big overheads that you have to worry about. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, it's it's nice. It's really lovely. Um, and, um, and we have a new range coming this season. We didn't even do a range. We did a really minimum um, range that I had a flow on from the previous year. So uh, this year we have a new range coming, which will be really nice. Awesome. Your customers will be happy to hear that. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. They definitely will. Well, most of them have now um, decided that, you know, they are, um, stuck at home now and they've either upgraded their homes or put pools in their backyard so, so they, want a swimsuit. <laughs> they are all wanting swimsuits again now yes we've got a lot of demand again yeah right and so but you are as well as your automated swimwear business that other than coming up with a new range you're not having to do much for you are ceo of a tech company now yes so Explain that. Yeah, well, so in the process of me coming back from overseas, um, in my in my um, state of you know needing to repair my body, <laughs> um, I had other brands come to me and said, "Hey, we've been watching your life on Facebook. How are you doing this? Because you have a fashion brand like I do. Like, what are you doing?" Right, and they've got a fashion brand and they're working their butts off. Yeah, you've got a fashion brand and you're sitting. At the beach. Yeah, they're wholesaling, they've got shops, Markets. they're online, they're yeah. market, yeah, all of that. And I'm like, what are you doing? This is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Let me send you a postcard from the beach. <laughs> <laughs> so they asked me to mentor them. And so I started mentoring a few brands and um, then they were big aha moments, like just from an hour session, they would just be like, oh my goodness, like I can, I can understand now why you've made all these choices. So help me make all the choices. And then Eventually, as you would go through coaching them, they would go, well, can you do that? And can you do that? And can you, can I outsource that to you? And all of a sudden I went, no, because this is just me doing a job again. And that's exactly why I automated it all in the first place. And so I said to them, what if all of these things that I'm trying to teach you how to do, if you just structure specifically for being a really good online brand, I will build you the tech to plug in and then you don't need to know any of it. So you build them the automation and they focus on their fashion brand. Really. Yes. Yes. And so they loved it and they started to rearrange their businesses, which they've been extremely grateful for because over COVID that was a godsend to them that they've done that. Um, and now they're gearing up for us to be able to plug in the um, new Try at Home app when it launches. So I know we're only a few minutes away from the end of our hour and I promised that we'd keep it under an hour. Yeah. So you are about to launch the app. You've raised money from investors. Yeah. Like where are, you, where are you personally at and where's the business at right yeah. now? Yeah, um, well, all of that sounds great, but, you know, there are still challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we raised money from investors and basically that happened because I went to a big accounting firm in the city and um, five times in that meeting, the guy told me that he loved my business, couldn't fault my numbers. However, I would not succeed because I was a female founder. So this was in the 1980s, right, that he said that? Yep, this was this year. 2021. Yes, yes. So you wouldn't succeed because you're a female founder because... I wouldn't be able to raise capital. No one would give you money. Yeah. Because you're a girl. Yeah. Even though you're 40-something grown up. Look, I shouldn't have worn a polka dot dress with a bow on it. Oh, clearly. But... <laughs> clearly. Who would give money to someone with a polka exactly. dot dress? So what was his suggestion as a solution? Were you supposed to have a sex change? Uh, no, he suggested that I go out and find a male um, business partner. 
Right. Not to contribute anything useful other than I was going to say something rude then. But Yeah. Yeah. Pretty okay. much. <laughs> pretty much. And right. so, so what did you do? Give up and go home? Uh, I Sorry, left. Sorry. Who yeah. was? This was a big accounting firm. Yeah. In the city. Yeah. Who is a really well known for working with investors? Yeah, and working with with um, uh, tech startups, right? In particular, and we're like, no, you got no chance because you yeah. are the wrong gender. Yeah, yay, twenty twenty one. I'm getting yeah. such a long way. Yeah. Okay, and so what did you do? Um, well, I realised that if I needed to be inside the boys' club there, that I needed to prove that I could do what a boy could do. <laughs> so uh, I left there on the Tuesday, and by the Thursday, I'd opened up my seed round. And um, in the end of the first day, I emailed him and I said, can you have a look over this proposal that I've just sent out to 20 people that I know? Potential investors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People who knew me from being in business. And um, I said, I just want to make sure I've got this right because I've raised 50000 already. So can you have a look, please? (laughs) Uh, He didn't respond to that. And then the next day I emailed back and I said, please, I really need your advice on this because I've just raised another 50. (laughs) And by day three, he went, I don't think you need my advice. I think you're doing okay. (laughs) Um, And within nine days we were oversubscribed. So how much did you raise? Um, So we raised in our initial round, it was to be 250. We raised 300. So three hundred thousand. That was enough to finish building your software. Yeah, yeah. So we finished building our software. But did you? Have, what? Where would? Where did you get your male business partner from? Oh, I still didn't have one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So anyway, he um, takes me seriously now, which is great. <laughs> um, but do you take him seriously? I'd be questioning. Really. <laughs> Well, um, we're we're back to needing to raise more again now um, because now we're building out our marketplace. So our marketplace is where um, people can, uh, all of the brands that um, we plug this into their Shopify store um, and now they'll be able to also have the service on our marketplace which will promote all of those brands because remember, I'm a good promoter. Yeah. <laughs> I know how to grow. I know how to grow. So we put all those brands on there and get them the exposure. In particular, you know, I focus on brands brands who, um, who uh, it's a competitive world out there. And if you're not a, a household name, it's hard to just have your brand known. And I find that most of these brands have beautiful products. They just need to get them in the hands of, of the buyer. Of the buyer. And you're the perfect person to do that. Really. Yeah. 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 We know. So I've seen your, your forecasts for your try at home app. Yeah. And, you know, you look at companies like Afterpay mm-hmm. and, um, all those different sort of fintech kind of, because yeah. it's a fintech app almost, isn't yeah. it, really? Yeah. Um, and you've got some pretty bold predictions for what you think you can do in terms yeah. of revenue. Yeah. But I can't see any faults in them when you actually look at where you got your numbers from. So yes. do you want to tell us what you what your forecast is? Yeah, this? yeah. Um, so I, I remember you looking at me weird and going, I need to double check that, Bettina. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, there is, sorry, 10,000 Shopify stores in Australia and 100,000 in the US. So Shopify stores being online retail businesses yes. basically run by the Shopify yeah, 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 by that platform. Um, so that's not to mention all the others, WooCommerce, BigCommerce, Magento and all the others that we can plug into. Um, but just with Shopify alone, there is, you know, over 100,000. Now we only need 3,500 of those. And when you um, 
when you looked at my numbers and you're like, yeah, but your projections are that it's a billion dollar business when you do that. And you're like, this is insane. Like, how are you this can't be working right. out these numbers? And um, and fair enough, we worked it out and it was correct, right? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> so we only need a very small slice of the market um, and that wasn't even including the marketplace. So. Yeah, wow. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be huge. Yeah. And yeah. so you and, and it's super exciting because it benefits the customers. The customers love it. I've got um, thousands of raving fans of the service and it benefits the brands because it automates, it reduces their expenses and it increases their profit, like not just their turnover. The other thing that is interesting is it's going to be huge, but it's not high risk for you. You're doing this from a stable base. You've got a stable existing business, which is giving you profits that you can live on. So you you haven't got that kind of... You know, you're not 22 years old eating pizza hoping that this thing's going to work. You can actually put the time into it and make it work because yes. you don't have to go get a job or something. Yes, although I still have to do the odd house flip. Yeah. <laughs> just, <laughs> just to come up with a spare hundred for more tech, more tech. Yeah. <laughs> a bit more capital. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so knowing what you know now, if let's just go back. Let's just finish up. I'd like to know a couple of things. I'd like to know if you were talking to young Bettina that had the bathroom mm. business, mm. What would you have? What would you, what advice would you have for her? What would she, what should she have done differently? I guess the thing about about getting to where I am, I feel like the only reason I've got to where I am is because I've combined so many years of experience. Because you have to get out there and do it. So do something. It really doesn't matter whether it's the failure or success. Just learn because you've got to learn the pieces. And then when you learn the pieces, get some mentoring. I have lots of mentors. I mean, people think I'm crazy because I've got so many different mentors that I plug into all the time. Why do you need mentoring? Why can't you just figure it out yourself? No, because You're it's, smart about, enough. It's, it's, it's not about being smart. Yeah. It's, it, I'm definitely not the smartest tool. I'm, I'm the high school dropout, right? What it is is that you have to have the right mental thinking around what you're doing. It is all about headspace. So it's mentors that help you reframe your thinking, not just teach you information. Yes, yes, because the the information part is a risky bit. If you go to a mentor and listen to what they tell you to do for information, you risk it not going well because you've taken advice from somebody else who does not know everything in your scenario. And you follow it to a T and then you blame everybody else because it went wrong which is what I used to do. And then I got to a point where I went, oh, no, actually the only person that I can trust in making the decisions is me. And so if I'm going to take advice, I'm going to take advice about how to keep the right headspace to be able to make good decisions. Because if you're going to trust yourself to make the decisions, you'd better become trustworthy. Yeah, yeah. And and, and that was a massive um, jump in responsibility because I never, ever wanted to had that much responsibility. You remember a few years ago me saying, I just need a business partner. And now the guy says, you need a male business partner. I'm like, no, No I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah, I think it was the fear of of being accountable, the fear of being responsible, um, and then learning how to mentally handle that. Yeah. So a lot of the people that are listening to this um, Mm. are probably, well, I know they are, in, they're really struggling because a lot of business have been smashed around by the pandemic and every and just yeah. generally business is tough for people a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, if you had advice for them, if they were like, 
I don't know, even two or three things that you could advise people when they're in that place where like, this is hard and I don't know if I can do this anymore. Because you are flying now, but let's not understate just how miserable you were back then when it was really hard. Yeah. So if you think about when you were feeling like that and people that are feeling like that, what what can you tell them? What can you suggest that they do? Uh, go read Joe Dispenza's books. Okay. <laughs> uh, retraining your brain is 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 absolutely critical. I mean, the amount of pressure that I've been under in this last twelve months in building a uh, multi-million dollar tech business you know it's it it's valued at over three million dollars in, in a year like to to the pressure that this is that so I've that been under running that. a swimwear business in a pandemic yeah and yeah and and doing a house flip at and the same time. Yeah, house. yeah um so you've been under a bit yeah, of dealing pressure. with a teenage son and you know and and relationship breakdown you know like there's a lot of a lot of things going on but it's it it even surprises me about how stable my mind is to not actually fall in a pit of this can't be done I actually genuinely believe that anything can be done now so how do people get to believe that if they don't believe it right now if they're like this is just a shambles and I can't see the light at the end of the tunnel how did you change from I need to be under someone's wing and I need a partner to I can trust myself to make good decisions. Yeah. Um, it was very small sequences. So the first thing was that I had to, um, and this is, you know, not business advice now, but just mentally, you have to be able to stop the running train. So I, I visualize it like this. Whatever my thought pattern is, it's going to um, attach, my thought is going to attach itself to a carriage and it is going to start some momentum. And if that momentum gets away and becomes a bullet train, there is no way I'm going to stop it. So I pull up every thought and go, is this one that I want to run on a train line or is this one I need to hop off at the next station and close that thing down? And so I like mentally visualize what is, what is my mind focusing on? So if my mind is focusing on, oh my goodness, I'm going to run out of cash flow. I'm going to run out of cash flow, which is a constant fear within a tech company, right? Mm-hmm. And, and it's a constant reality. If, if you actually look at the numbers and my accountant goes, you're going to run out of money. And I'm like, that's okay. My head doesn't think so. <laughs> and you raise more. And, yeah, and then the- you just, yeah, you just do something else. You just raise more. You just, it, something else happens because you are able to attract something else. But you can only you can only be creative in those ways if you stop that speeding train. Yeah. So number one thing is to start reframing, start pulling every time you think of something, stop and go, is this going to serve me? And if not, how can I reframe it? Um, and that takes a lot of practice. But the more you do it and when you start practicing it, you can practice it in every area of your life and it ch- makes massive changes. And I have always actually believed this. It's 90% of, of um, success in, in not only business but in life is how you think 
Yeah, amazing, isn't it? Because people wouldn't think that. They go, I've got to choose the right product. I've got to hire the right staff. I've, I've yeah. got to do all that. But it's actually it's none, none of that. that. No, none yeah. of that matters unless you get your head right. Yeah, and people go, oh, but, you know, Bettina, you're just so amazing. You've got all this experience or you're, you know, outgoing. It's like, no, actually, <laughs> I'm just a social introvert. Um, and and I dropped out of school and, and I really didn't know any of these things and I've had plenty of failures. I just never, ever stop like trying something else. I've always gone back and went, okay, well, what can I try again and just have a different thinking. But you have tried new things with the wisdom from the previous Definitely. So you haven't kept on repeating the mistakes. You've actually got better each time and got smarter at it. Yes, yes. I think in in all areas, whether it's business or property or shares or any of them. Maybe even one-day relationships. Yes. (laughs) Working on that right now. (laughs) Yeah, it does. It affects everything. So, yeah, yeah cool. being able to work on that and learn from it. Um, and, and that has been probably the biggest growth in my relationships in the last three years as well. Yeah. That is awesome. So what's your plan for the next five years? Oh, um, five years I plan to sell this business, the tech business. And so you'll sell it to a big competitor or something? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, and it's been done. You know the afterpays and the canvas and all those guys are doing. Yes, it. yeah. So afterpay just sold for a number starting with a B for billion. I see you've got a small goal. Right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mine's very little in comparison to those guys. But um, yeah, I think um, along the way, though, my passion about standing behind this business is um, being able to allow other um, people. You know, I'm a single mum with a disabled child um, who um, had nothing and being able to turn my life into having time and enough money to live the way that I want to live. Um, that is my goal for all of those, you know, smaller businesses that are out there trying to make a life in e-commerce. It's like we all have this beautiful products and beautiful brands and um, you know, we're packing orders at midnight and, you know, trying to work out accounting numbers that I don't understand and, you know, trying to get the designs right, like so many things. And it's like being able to help them to have that growth and That's the awesome. automation is, is yeah, very cool. So the exit down the track is a bonus, but the purpose is about you going, I've been yeah, out. We want to have, yeah, we want to have biannual events and we want to get these brands together and we want to get some collaboration and we want to talk stories. We want to talk about, what did you do? How can you do that different? And, you know, every time I sit down with a brand and give them an hour, they walk away like with a, just a completely different view on how they can run their business, both now and in the future and exit plans for some of them. So um, it's nice to be in a position where you know that you could exit it or you could just sit on your cash flow and you have choices that is like that is pretty cool i reckon that's an awesome place to leave that i think that is fantastic thank you so much bettina i would like please a photo of you and the puppy to put (laughs) as an attachment to this podcast um but that is awesome thank you so much i'm so proud of you i I would say that like i'm your mother and i'm not but (laughs) (laughs) if you look at what you've done thank you for everything that you've taught me the whole way through awesome thank you This episode of The Cactus Project is sponsored by Global Training Institute, Australia's leading online training college. It was presented and written by Mel McDonald and produced, edited and visually designed by Maggie Hazaruni. We hope you found this interview interesting. For more inspiring stories from people whose businesses went wrong and how they recovered or went to cactus as we say in Australia, please subscribe to The Cactus Project on your favourite podcast app and visit our website at www.thecactusprojectpodcast.com.
gmail.com. You can also join our Facebook group, The Cactus Project Discussion, to join in the conversation. 